Last week, Acts chapter 21, starting in verse 17. One of our challenges, anytime we go into a historical narrative like this, is that you can just read the text and get the story yourself. You don't need me. You just read it and kind of go, oh, that's what happened. So my challenge is to try to bring in the pieces that make it come alive. The background information, some of the archaeological data that we have to support it, or even some of the minor details that you might not pick up necessarily in a, uh, even an in-depth reading. And I will, I can speak that personally. I mean, I, I, typically will read the passage three or four times and then I start digging in and went, huh, I didn't know that was there. Oh, wait, I read it four times and I missed it. Uh, so we have this, this, this going on. Now, verse 17 starts with the phrase, when we had come to Jerusalem. Now, you want to go, oh, that's, you know, how casual is that? Well, think about it. This was Paul's this is the end of Paul's third missionary journey. You can go to the map on the back of your Bible and look at all the long lines and everything else and not really get a concept that this ends a very long five-year journey, 2,500 miles, that he has been either walking or he's been in boats or he's been ministering for quite some time since the Jerusalem Council, which was five years earlier, which you see in Acts chapter 15. One thing to contemplate when you think about that journey, um, a journey like that would have been fraught with danger prior to the Romans. But the Romans had built roads. They had built infrastructure. They had built the capacity to travel from province to province, region to region, in relative safety. It's not like, you know, you just kind of walk around without any protection at all, but very different from the prior uh, civilizations, if you want to call it that. And so we have to always remember that the gospel came at the right time in the history of humanity, the history of mankind, so that the gospel could spread in five years in his third missionary journey. Not discounting the first two, but the fact that all of this was going on here. It says here, when he came to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. Well, isn't that a contrast to 20 years earlier when Paul entered Jerusalem the first time after his conversion on the road to Damascus? Let me read you what happened when he arrived. This was in Acts chapter 9, verse 26. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe he was a disciple. 
So, verse 28, he went in and out among them in Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord, and he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. And then he spent the next three years learning and understanding the scriptures in even greater depth. So this is quite a contrast. This time he comes, hey, long time no see. 20 years ago, who are you and where did you come from? And last we knew, you had us on wanted posters. And you were out to kill us. 20 years. Stop for a second. Where were you in 2003? What were your relationships in 2003? What was the political landscape in 2003? What was the world like in 2003? That's only 20 years. But all sorts of things can happen in a 20 year period. And here, this happened without Twitter, without Google, without any other means of quick communication of news. I still remember you know, the whole 2001-911 situation and then the Gulf War prior to that was on the news and, uh, and you had children thinking the war was next door. No, you had to take a globe and you say, we're here, what's happening is way over here, you're okay. But to them, it was all instantaneous. So our world has shrunken in that regard, this ancient world, there was not a quick Pony Express. There was not any telegraph. There was not way to present news in any sort of substantial manner. So coming to Jerusalem, they must have had word he was coming because they received him. In verse 18, following day, he went in with us to James, which James is this? James the brother of Jesus. This is James the less. Not James the apostle. James the apostle was killed many, many, many years ago. But this James is the same James who's been in charge of the Jerusalem church almost from the beginning. And he's getting up in years. And Yet he is still has a very strong following. It says James and all the elders were present. Now there's some speculation of who these elders were. Um, some believe that the size of the growth of the church made them set up a a group of elders to echo or. Um, parallel the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin had 70 members. And so there's been suggestions that there was up to 70 elders running this church. Now you would go, well, why? Well, we'll see that in a second. Because you might think, well, if there's only 70 people in church and all of them are elders, <laughs> how does that work? Uh, that would be kind of weird. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. Another thing to notice, verse 18, 
And in verse 17, he received us gladly. Verse 18, he went in with us. That suggests who is there. Luke, the writer. That he's a witness to this. It is intriguing, and I don't know what to, to make of it. But after this verse, the us goes away in the rest of this story. So either Luke just stopped using that, um, that word, or he wasn't actually there, but was, was told the stories later. We don't know, but it is kind of interesting that this us thing kind of just goes away. But the other thing is, it isn't just Luke. Remember, there were others that traveled with Paul on this journey from Macedonia, and they picked up a few others along the way when they were in Caesarea and in Tyre. And by the way, I was reminded that last week when we were talking about uh, Philip the Phoenician, that we actually have one in the room. He's sitting right there. We have a Philip from Phoenicia because Lebanon is where Phoenicia is today. And that's where he was born. So we have a Philip from Phoenicia in this very room. So we just made Acts come alive. <laughs> I love that. That's just, that's perfect. Anyway. After greeting them, he related one by one. Stop for a second and think about that. One by one, the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. How long did he talk? I mean, we know that Paul could go on for quite some time because remember we had one young man fell asleep and fell out of a window at midnight and after he healed the guy, they kept going till dawn. So Paul's not a lack of things to say. Well, one commentator, as uh, it was described, used his sanctified imagination and wrote the following. So just realize this is made up, but I like it. Paul began surely with his first visit to Galatia and told the thrilling story of his three missionary journeys. The names rolled off his tongue like a roll call of the nations. Salamis, Paphos, Perga, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, Corinth, Ephesus, Illyricum, and not just places, but people. Thousands upon thousands of people saved by faith, washed in the blood of the Lamb, baptized by the Holy Spirit into the Church of Christ. And not only places and people, but pithy anecdotes, stories of prison and persecution, stories of Mars Hill, stories of miracles and magicians and mighty movements of the Spirit. Never had these Jerusalem Christians with their narrow parochial, parochial interest heard anything like this. Isn't that interesting? Now, that's obviously imaginative. And it's not as if they were ignorant what was going on. But to have the one who was there relaying the story, just imagine him painting this picture. 
in that one paragraph I just mentioned, you have the entire book of Acts. You just start rattling off all these names, and I thought, oh, wow. Oh, wait, we have looked at them in maps over the years. We know where many of these are. And to us, uh, you know, half of Bible study is geography lessons. Boring. But they tell a story of God's movement in places where it did not exist until Paul went there to talk to them. That's really kind of fun. Other thing is notice who he gives credit to. They related one by one the things that God had done, not the things that Paul had done. This is critical in any effort that you make in any point of life. You succeed in, in the world and you get accolades. The world will give you accolades. They will give you praise. They will honor you. They will give you awards. They will give you plaques. They will put your name on a sidewalk outside of a Hollywood theater. But Paul does not do it for his glory. In fact, we can go over to Romans 15. Romans 15, verse 18. Paul writes, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Paul's very clear that this is not him. Jesus reminds us of this in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, not on the Sermon on the Mount, sorry. Wrong book. He reminds us in, in John chapter 6, verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The flesh is of no avail. The flesh has no profit. It's worth nothing. We have to remind ourselves of that often. We tend to take pride in our accomplishments and forget that we would not have any accomplishments if it were not for God's grace. Verse 20. And when they had heard it, they glorified Paul. Oh, it doesn't say that. They glorified God as well. This became a worship service. They were just so amazed of God's movement. And they're glorifying God in, a, in that itself. Now, in between verses 19 and 20, there's something missing. And it's not in the Greek text. It's not in any lost gospel. There's no mention of it at all. 1 Corinthians 6, 1, 16, 1 through 4, Paul raises support for the Christians in Jerusalem while in Ephesus. 
2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul raises support.